0: Wasabi Wallet, unfairly private.
1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Another Friday, another edition of Why Are We Bullish? Uh, all new guests this week. Very excited to have them all. We're going to get chatting about a ton of different topics. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm ha- always happy to have you all here on a Friday. Um, yeah, let's just get into it as always. This is live. Anything can happen, so I defer to my friend Bill here. We'll do it
2: live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it.
0: Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. And thing sucks.
1: If you haven't already, please do hit like, subscribe, share. All of those things really do help get this in front of more people, and uh, and start dropping those comments in the chat. All that good stuff. I am Ben with the BTC Sessions, this is your Daily Session. All right, before we bring in our guests, let's take a look at where we are in the market right now. Don't panic, guys. It's fine. We're sitting at 41549 bucks per coin. A single U.S. dollar will pick you up. 2,407 sats. 90.11% of all Bitcoin have been mined. In terms of fees, uh, not too bad right now. Six sats per byte will get you into the next block. If you're willing to wait any amount of time, one sat per byte should do you. Um, you know, people panicky about these little dips you know stack stack the dip stack the pump stack the crab walk stack it all uh yeah i don't know when in doubt zoom out hit all and relax (laughs) uh shout out to sponsors of the show shakepay.com if you're buying bitcoin in canada one of the simplest ways to do it no deposit fees no withdrawal fees thin spread uh when you go there if you sign up with the link down below after your first hundred bucks, they'll give you 30 bucks for free. That's a lot of extra sats. Also, you get the same deal if you refer a friend. And once you do refer a friend, you get sats every single day when you shake your phone. Uh, I'm on a hundred day streak. I hit my hundred day streak today. Uh, so, yeah, check them out. Also, they've got their Visa card now. So you can tap and earn sats back on all your purchases. Check them out. Links are down below. Lend.io. Uh, if you can use your Bitcoin for a variety of different services, for me personally, it's been if I'm in a pinch and I need dollars and it's a cash flow related thing and I don't want to sell my Bitcoin because that's a taxable event and I'm worried about about buying back in at a higher price. Well, I can deposit Bitcoin here, get a loan of dollars to my bank account within 24 hours. And when I pay that back, I get the same amount of sats so that's the important number to me they do have savings for bitcoin and usdc and they also have their b2x offering check them out on the links in the show notes now i do live on bitcoin bit refill helps a ton with this you can get just about every gift card your little heart desires in a ton of different countries you can pay on chain with bitcoin or via the lightning network and also you do earn sats back as you shop all kinds of great stuff here so check them out in the show notes uh, Keystone, you guys, you know these guys, one of my most used hardware wallets. I love it. It's 100% air gapped, uh, meaning you don't plug it into anything internet connected. It's all offline via QR code, keeping the keys to your money safe and away from internet connections. Uh, on top of this, Bitcoin only firmware, highly recommend you upgrade to this. And it works with a ton of different wallets uh, Blue Wallet, Wasabi Wallet, Spectre, Sparrow. I just did a video on Nunchuck, and it's really badass in a multi sig. So check it out. And finally, if you're back, in up any important hardware wallet or software wallet for that matter, anything with a meaningful amount of funds. Uh, you want that seed to be secure, get it in solid steel. Paper doesn't always cut it, you know, fire damage, water damage. You might discard it if it's just a slip of paper lying around. Uh, steel can help you mitigate those risks. This is how I back up all my shit. So check out the bill, follow at privacypros.io. And that's enough of my ranting. I want to get these guys in here. Let's start chatting. Uh, We've got Adam, we've got Andy, we've got Mike. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Let's do a quick round of intros, let people know who you are, what you do. Uh, We'll start with Adam. Take it away. Who are you? What do you do?
3: Yeah, what's going on, everybody? A little bit about myself Uh, Adam Semeca. I uh, was a firefighter in the Air Force for six years, went on to become a hardware security consultant, um, helping people build safe and secure buildings um and i'm the founder of hands free bitcoin we make uh, consumer friendly at home plug and play bitcoin miners
1: nice i might have to chat with you about that it's interesting hmm all right let's keep going around the circle mike how about you who are you what do you do
2: what's up guys um i actually also had some prior experience in the military i was a aircraft pneumatics specialist which is just a really fancy way to say that i worked on hydraulic systems for helicopters um did six years in the National Guard with them and then after that well that's actually where my whole Bitcoin journey started uh, well I was while I was overseas on deployment and then um came back and got a degree in exercise science and now I write for Bitcoin magazine so it's
1: a lot of fun damn dude that's a hell of a journey. Well, glad to have you. <laughs> and uh, let's do one last uh, Andy, it's all up to you. What's uh what's going on? Who are you? Hey, what do you do? Great
0: to be here. My name is Andy Flattery, and I am a mere pleb. I'm a class of 2021 Bitcoiner, and I'm learning all the time. I'm a certified financial planner by trade, and I do a podcast called The Reformed Financial Advisor, where we talk about Bitcoin as it relates to personal financial planning. And Ben, you don't know this, but you're the guy that taught me how to use a hardware wallet. So <laughs> I have you to thank for that, man.
1: That's awesome. Well, dude, I'm glad to have you. And uh, it's I, I always love seeing class of 20 or 21 that are coming in and they're they're kind of getting in in, in a way that kind of uh, allows them to kind of bypass a lot of the noise that a lot of us were subject to in like 2017 or so uh, when people came in. I I feel like the signal is a lot stronger these days than it was back then. And so that's that's cool to see. So welcome to all of you and uh, welcome to everybody watching. Uh, This is Why Are We Bullish? And so uh, pretty basic premise to the show. Everybody brings a reason why they're bullish and we go by the three R's. This is how we run the show. Somebody's going to give a reason why they're bullish. Uh, then we're all going to riff on the reason together, and then we're going to rotate to the next person until we're <laughs> all through. Really easy, really simple. So I'm going to get us started. Um, I've got a, a simple on its face reason for being bullish this week, uh, and my my reason this week is wallets. And I, I want to elaborate on that a little bit. I'm bullish on Bitcoin wallets because of the evolution that I've seen over the past five years of making videos on the topic. And I've seen um, uh, the kind of rise of all-in-one solutions uh, for software wallets. And what I mean by all-in-one is, I mean, I can manage just about damn near every aspect of my Bitcoin from a single piece of software. And there's multiple options for this. So what spurred on this reason for being bullish was I did a video uh, on Monday for, um, uh, for God, now I'm going to forget for nunchuck wallet. Okay. So nunchuck, it, it allows you to do a whole bunch of different things, but it's, it's not alone in this, this aspect. So a couple of things I've noticed over the past few years, the user interface and the user experience has gotten uh, a lot better and a lot more intuitive. Now it's it's nowhere near perfect, but there's a lot of solutions out there that are are starting to nail down those moments when people would go, what the hell do I do now? And really making it simple and intuitive to just say, oh, obviously I'll, I go here or make it relatively simple for a newcomer to come across. The next thing is is kind of features and functionality. And so what I mean by that in terms of features is Things that you you may not realize you need, but eventually do need are just there now. So things like replace by fee, you know, you send a transaction, the fee is too low and it's taking too long and there's a spike in the mempool and you're like, oh shit, I need to bump my fee and you can just do it in a lot of wallets now. Um, not only that, but, uh. Automated and manual fees being default and everything where you can either do like the, the fast, medium or slow option or default to setting your sats per byte. On top of that, you get stuff like the option to connect to your own node and a lot of great wallets lately. Um, you get some of the UTXO management. So like taking the individual bits of Bitcoin and designating which ones you want to use which can be privacy-preserving. You can also label them so that you know where they came from and where they've gone to and what commingled, And so you can kind of form a picture of who knows what you own. And on top of that, you get things like batching transactions, coin join baked into some of them. Um, So some of the wallets that I want to shout out, Nunchuck, I just mentioned, Sparrow Wallet, Spectre, Wasabi Wallet, blue wallets, a lot of these things, they, they just have so many of these features. Now, not all of them have everything, but damn near. And on top of that, you have the ability in a lot of them to create hot wallets that are you know, uh, on a device that is connected to the internet, connect cold wallets or watch-only wallets that are connected to uh, a piece of hardware, um, do multi-sig, in uh, a good number of these, and now with the nunchuck one that I just did, do collaborative multisig across multiple parties, where you have multiple people all part of a single multisig, and there's like a baked-in chat messenger to to coordinate a transaction. It's crazy. That's cool. And and then even beyond that is the compatibility of hardware. So you're getting things like default in all the ones that I just mentioned you're getting some mix of most of Trezor, Ledger, Cold Card, Keystone, Passport, and Bitbox. And so I think the reason that we're seeing a lot of this is a focus on Bitcoin only, because if you're Bitcoin only, then you can spend a lot more time baking in all of these features and working on compatibility with all of these wallets and hardware devices. And it just makes for such a robust uh experience for a basic user all the way up to a power user and I'm super bullish on what I'm seeing just with wallets so with that I know that was a bit of a lengthy explanation but I'm I'm stoked on that this week I I don't know what it is it's just there's there's so much cool stuff happening so I'm gonna open it up to the floor here um I guess first off I'll, I'll just ask a general question Um, what are some of the favorite wallets that you guys are using right now?
3: Uh, I'll go ahead and kick us off on that. Um, I just to point out, I think it's kind of bullish just in the sense that there are so many of them out there now. Um, when I first started using Bitcoin, there really weren't a lot of options. And so, um, you mentioned some of the, the usability upgrades and, uh, the feature sets are continually expanding I think that's awesome. Um, my my two personal favorite, at least mobile wallets that I use, um, are Moon and Blue Wallet. I like Moon because uh, it, of its like interoperability between um, on chain and Lightning. And then Blue Wallet uh, has a really great UI. Um, but like I said, there's so many of them out there. I haven't gotten a chance to try them all. Those are my my personal two favorites. Nice. How about Mike or Andy?
2: Um, I will have to say that I'm pretty boring with the whole wallet experience. Uh when I first got it like into Bitcoin a couple years ago I was on deployment. I don't want to dox myself completely. Um I got a I got like a stack of them off Amazon. Well not off Amazon. That's an awful example to place <laughs> but uh but I got I got a ledger and then I got two Trezor to try out and I never got any more after that. Like once I once I used one to test and used the other to you know, be my be my baby, my uh, my home spot for my Bitcoin. I just set that up and never really dabbled. I keep a hot wallet, but I have moon and I've
1: tried everything else out. But I don't know. I'm pretty boring that way. That's well, that's kind of the beauty of it, too, though, because that's fine for somebody to do. Somebody just steps in the room and is like, I don't know what I got. I got a treasure and then (laughs) and then that's what they that's totally fine. Because the level of security that you get out of that, and I know that some people are like, "Well, if somebody gets a hold of it and they've got specialized equipment and they take," yes, there's, <laughs> there's that. Uh, you know, if you're thinking adversarially as a Bitcoiner, absolutely. But, uh, you know, for the vast majority of people, any hardware wallet, you know, with a backup stored elsewhere, is is orders of magnitude more secure than what you're going to get. On average, you know, holding your money in a under a mattress or, you know, in having it custodied by somebody else, and I know that there's also going to be people that say, "Well, there's insurance and everything." I don't know. I don't buy that. (laughs) I I think it's bullshit. I think Mm -hmm. that self custody is the way to go, and that everybody can do it, and it can be as simple as I got a treasure. I'm good.
2: I tell you what. um, I will admit though. uh, since the coin join function like came on stage and I've really just been waiting until a wallet integrated that like the coin join function. So now I'm just like,
1: okay, now I gotta go shopping again. Damn it. (laughs) You know what it's so for, for desktop, um, especially for low value coin join Sparrow is, it's just got everything baked in because you can have a hot wallet on there. You can link up your treasure to it. And you can have a hot wallet that does coin join. And after a certain amount of, of coin joins, it will auto deposit into your treasure. Oh, they swanified it. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I did a I did a full tutorial on coin join and Sparrow. So if you're okay. looking after, just go through. It shows you how to do that. Perfect. Yeah. Andy, I'm going to let you
0: chat. Yeah, up. I'm with a good old blue wallet. And I've been using Breeze as my lightning wallet because it's got just so many little bells and whistles. And, and I love kind of the group behind that project because they seem so kind of um, interested in the lightning network in general. So, um, you know, as a podcaster, I can boost my favorite Bitcoin podcast right now. And, and actually, they've added the functionality where you can send a message with that boost. So I really love, love that function of the uh, podcasting 2.0 stuff. And I just I think of it as like, you know, how the Internet has evolved. Like my my grandmother, my 80 some year old grandmother in Fort Dodge, Iowa, now uses Facebook on her cell phone. And 20, 30 years ago, she never would have imagined that the Internet would have been that easy for her to use if she even knew what the Internet was. And so, you know, Ben, I agree with you. You you can imagine a future where, where wallets make it so easy that that anyone is going to be able to use this thing and i think we're moving in that direction
1: dude i i love again i i don't want to keep on pointing out that you're class of 21 but you're class of 21 and you just told me that you're coming in you're using blue wallet but you're also using a lightning wallet and you're using podcasting 2.0 that's like that's pretty astounding for somebody coming out the gate. And I think it speaks to one, obviously you've taken the time to, to look into and understand these things, but also to, two, the accessibility that's being built by these teams like blue wallet and breeze. Like they're doing such incredible work.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so simple to get, to get up with these products. Um, I got my own podcast up on podcasting 2.0 in a matter of like an hour. Um, and, and they've made it really easy to use. And and, and, and I frankly, I, I want to learn how to use it. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. F- three, four, five years ago, that would not have been the case, which is probably one of the reasons why it took me so lo- long to come around to Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, d- I just wanted to pull up. Uh, we got a quick question. So as a newbie, I've seen old fart in the comments many times below. So welcome, <laughs> old fart. I'm glad, glad for you to be here again. Um, he's just asking about, so I got a hardware wallet. I moved my Bitcoin to it. I, he said, if my exchange gets hacked, I can send my Bitcoin from my hard wallet to any other exchange, correct? I think he's probably alluding to the idea of if if his current exchange that he usually uses to like convert into and out of fiat is deemed no longer secure he can send from his self custody back to any other custodian to exchange for dollars if he needs them. And yeah, absolutely. Like your once you have Bitcoin in your custody, you can you that's there's nobody to tell you no, you can send it wherever you like, as long as there is a service that is available to you in your locale. So if you're in the US, you know, whether it be uh, strike or swan or cash app or whatever you're using for kind of your Bitcoin back and forth. Um, it's it's agnostic to what wallet you as an individual are using to hold your Bitcoin. So whether it's a hardware wallet, whether it's a hot wallet, whether it's a Trezor, Ledger, quote card, Keystone, whatever the hell you're using, it's all agnostic. It's all interoperable. You can send Bitcoin from any wallet to any wallet or any wallet to any exchange. So, yeah, Absolutely. You should not have a problem there. Um, I, uh, the other thing that I I wanted to uh, bring up and ask you guys is, are there, are there things in wallets that you feel are still missing? Like, what would you like to see? What, what is something that could either make it easier? A feature that you feel is missing in some wallets or in all wallets. What's next for you? What, What do you think is best?
3: Well, I'll go ahead and start um, with this question. I, uh, I actually have thought about this a lot. Um, it, it's Honestly, I, I think it, it's a spectrum because uh, especially if I look at hardware wallets, it's, it's probably a different conversation for software wallets. But when you look at the hardware options out there, um, I think that it's it's all about trade-offs you know what do you want more of and when you what do you want less of um and so when i look at the different options out there the diff- different options that i have you know there are some aspects and features that i like more about some than others um, thinking about things like portability um, you know i like the portability aspect of some wallets um, but of course the trade-off there is you know some security risks um, uh, the other thing that i i like about some of my wallets is the interoperability between Uh, something like my phone, um, whether it's connecting over Bluetooth, um, or even something that's completely air gapped. And so those are kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum. And I I don't personally think that there is a, you know, one right answer, and all the answers, other answers are wrong. Um, But um, I do think that we're kind of continually progressing to better and better options. Um, So uh, I I don't necessarily have one that I, that I would say um, or a specific feature that I think you know needs to be on on a wallet. But as long as we're keeping you know user experience at the top at, in, in the design of, of new wallets, ultimately the market's going to decide you know what's best. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: I, and I I I would echo your interoperability, particularly on on mobile. So like right now, mobile um, like direct easy. Uh, access across both types of whether it be iOS or Android, you basically got Ledger, which is Bluetooth. You've got uh, like Keystone and Foundation, which are, are air gapped QR, right? Outside of that, then you're running into actually physically plugging a device into a phone if it will allow. So basically if you're on Android, you can do that. Or air gapping via sd card with um cold card which can be you know a little onerous um i do hear rumblings that cold card is working on um they're they're tinkering with nfc
3: i think yeah. they just released their um github uh on github they just released their spec for Ooh, nfc oh damn that's that
1: sounds like Uh, I will be doing some shopping soon (laughs) in the near future, but that's exciting. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, yeah, that interoperability and again, like so many of the wallets now you can just, whatever you want to plug into them, especially like desktop, it's pretty much across the gamut. You can just use uh, any, any, any wallet that caters to Bitcoin only for sure. You're going to probably going to be able to use, um, but I think that will continue to improve and we'll see more across mobile as well. Um, Mike, for you, you're, you're, you're like dabbling. You're, you're going to start looking. You said now with all the coin join stuff, what is, what are some of the things that you're looking for out of a wallet as you, as you start looking around, what are the things that stand out to you?
2: Um, it's a little bit, again, more boring for me just because I'm, like I'm not like a huge, like, I'm not a developer or a coder or like a huge, like, techie guy. I mean, I am, but I'm not, right? Um, when it comes to, like, the hardware wallets, one of the things that I enjoy most is that kind of like what uh, what Adam was saying is that the, the more simple that they are, really, the greater the security they're going to have, in my opinion, Mm-hmm. Um, cause like, as you add more features, it basically opens, like it opens up the possibility for attack vectors and all sorts of like all that other junk. And that's just like, when it comes to an asset, like, like Bitcoin, like I'd really, I enjoy being able to sleep well at night cause I know where my yeah. stuff is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but really that, that coin join function is what really excites me most. Mm-hmm um but you you, the way i understand is you don't really want that in a hardware wallet right because you kind of want it in a different area to be able to send it to it so when it comes to i i honestly i gotta say like i don't know what i it's kind of like the steve steve jobs thing i don't know what i want until i'm gonna see it yeah um probably because I'm not a developer. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to say that there isn't really anything that I could say. I suggest looking forward to, because like, even like I love, uh, Rodolfo, like I talked to him quite a mm-hmm. bit. Um, but honestly, like I could still like, because I'm not a, I'm not a tech guy. Like I can still see the NFC function as being like a form of, like an attack vector, mm-hmm. but I don't understand the technology fully either. So that could just be my ignorance, which is, you know, willful. So.
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, again, it's, it's everybody's comfort level. Like some people don't like plugging a device into a computer at all. Right. Like that's to some that they worry about, oh, it's plugged in for others. It's, oh, it has Bluetooth. Oh, I don't like that. Some people don't like the QR functionality because they're worried that they, you can't fully, you know, unless you're checking every QR code on, on separate hardware and separate software, then you're never really sure. Um, and all of those are valid criticisms. It's just, as we've been saying, trade-offs. And you're right about the, uh, the um, uh, coin join um, versus hardware. It, it's basically, it's not possible w- it, with a hardware wallet. And the reason for that is, is basically there's these r- uh, rounds of coin join and you're waiting for enough people to join. And then you create a transaction altogether, and then your wallet has to sign the transaction for it to go through. You're basically sending money back to yourself, but because it's joined with a bunch of people doing the same thing, it's indecipherable who owns what. The problem with trying to do that with a hardware wallet is unless you're there at the exact second with your device hitting approve, then you're not going to make the round and they're just going to go on without you. So, (laughs) So it has to be a hot wallet, but that's where Sparrow kind of scratches that itch where you can do the coin joints. You can say, Hey, I want to do five rounds. And then after that on the fifth round, I want it to auto send to my hardware device. And then that just, it sorts itself out for you. It's just auto deposited into cold storage, which is, which is beautiful. I love it. So (laughs) yeah, I, I think, I think there's a ton of great things happening in wallets. I won't take too much uh, more time, Regarding this topic, I think I'll, I'll, I'll keep us rolling, but uh, thanks for all your input, gents. I, I think it's uh, time we move on to our next reason for being bullish. Uh, everybody in the chat, thanks for the thanks for uh, chatting it up. I'm going to start trying to pull in more comments as we go. Of course, hit like, share, all that good stuff, but uh, let's jump down the line. Um, I'm going to go to Adam, and I'm going to let you have your little rant. What are you excited about this week?
3: So... Um... The reason I am excited about bullish, excited about Bitcoin, bullish on Bitcoin, um, it's uh, it has to do with the elephant in the room, as I say, um, and the elephant that I'm referring to is actually uh, the the parable of the uh, the blind man and the elephant, and I'm not the first person even in the Bitcoin space to uh, to talk about this, um, but uh, hopefully I can add, add some fresh a fresh new take, um, but for anybody that doesn't know about the parable, or what it is, generally speaking, it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, you're laughing, Mike. Is that is that what you were going to talk about? Oh no, man! I just, I love it. <laughs> okay. Be uh, phrase B in here, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he, uh, before the show, he was mentioning he was going to be getting into some philosophical stuff as well. Just making sure we weren't going to be covering the same topic. But no, you're good, man. Uh, so the blind men and the elephant. Um, it there's, there's a few different versions. It's, it's a, it's a very old parable, but, uh, generally it's, it's about these blind men that are traveling and they come across this object that they, they can't identify, right. Cause they're blind. Um, and it's, as we know, it's the elephant, but, um, as they're trying to figure out what this thing is, they, they touch the different parts of the elephant to try to figure out, um, you know, what, what they just came across. And so you see one of the guys go up. You know, he just runs straight into the, the side of the elephant and he says it's a wall. Another one wraps his arms around the leg of the elephant uh, and he says it's a tree. Uh, there's another man that's on the tusk and he says it's a spear. Um, one on the uh, the uh, trunk says it's a snake. A um, guy that's grabbing a hold of the ear says it's a fan. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's kind of, you know, funny because, you know, to a degree you know we all know that that they're wrong it's it's an elephant but on the same token you know they're also kind of right because those individual functions and you know parts of that elephant can function in the, in that manner as well and i think in this case bitcoin is the elephant and we're all the blind men trying to make sense of this new discovery you know cuz we've never seen anything like this before and it became you know really evident to me recently. Um, and if you're spending much time on Bitcoin Twitter these days, you may have seen um, some bantering uh, to put it lightly on the topic of uh, Bitcoin and progressivism. So that's kind of been a, a topic that's been floating around lately. And I saw uh, the reason why I thought about this is because I saw somebody say, um, I think it was a, an article title. I, I didn't read it, but I'm sure it was well thought out Um but the title of their article was simply, you know, Bitcoin is good for progressives. And of course, you know, a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, spoke up on that and had their opinions. Right. The blind men are, are you know, fighting about what they what they see Bitcoin as. Um, and I'll say that, that my perspective as a blind man myself, you know, I disagreed with it, but not necessarily for the same reason that other people were disagreeing. Uh, I disagreed with it um, because uh, I think. That, uh, you know, Bitcoin is good for everybody. It's good for humans. Um, I think I think Bitcoin's like air, right? Air is good for us because we're human. Um, we need it. Uh, air is good for progressives. Air is good for uh, conservatives. Air is good for libertarians. Air is good for good people and air is good for bad people. And in the same way, I think Bitcoin is good for everybody. Um, it's, it's good for, for, for us for being human. Um, and uh, as I'm kind of like going through this thought experiment in my head, I'm thinking also about um, some of the things that um, Jason Lowry has pointed out recently. Um, and not everybody agrees with everything that he says and all of his points, but I think he makes a really good one um, about the fact that you know your adversary defending their position in Bitcoin and contributing to to their vision in Bitcoin actually really bolsters your defense. It's uh, it's mutual assurance, um, and so. It's like you got all these blind men and they're all describing, you know, what this thing is and they, they've got their own perspective and and how Bitcoin applies to them and how they can use it as a tool uh, to as a means to their end, basically. Um, and, you know, these blind men, as they're fighting, they're actually making the other person's tool stronger. And I thought that was really cool. So, so that's why I'm bullish. Bitcoin is an elephant. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Uh,
1: it's, I mean, it's it it echoes
3: pretty <laughs> also narwhal. Tacos
1: says Janet Yellen told me only perverts and terrorists use air. I don't trust it. <laughs> it's also um,
2: an awesome
1: username. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, everybody experiences Bitcoin in their own way, right? They everybody comes to it for different reasons, and <laughs> particularly people in the in the West, uh, at least their initial touch points with Bitcoin are as a number go up. Like their their initial thought is is to get more dollars is until they do dig deeper. Um, Whereas in other parts of the world, like I I was, it was nice enough for uh, Gladstein invited me down for the human rights foundation, the Oslo freedom forum in October. And there were people from all over the world where their first touch point is not at all related to that. It's I need to protect my assets from the state. I need to be able to, Um, pay my workers. I need to be able to survive and I need to um, perhaps flee with more than just the shirt on my back. Um, I need to escape uh, hyperinflation. I need to escape um, uh, economic colonialism in the instance of a lot of African countries where France uh, gets to dictate how their Currency works, gets to print more of their currency and gets first dibs on all of their local assets and, and, and products before the rest of the world, which they can then print money and then buy those assets basically for zero. And so people are looking for ways to escape different forms of oppression first rather than kind of the number go up first touches that we get here. So it's, it's, it's very true that everybody has their own experience. I'm, I'll open it up to Mike or Andy, if you want to comment on anything Adam said.
2: Well, that's a I, I don't mean to talk Andy. You haven't had a whole lot of chance to talk here, but I'll make it quick. Um, I personally love that. Like kind of like along the same lines is that, uh, like I'm, I've found myself often becoming the, uh, kind of like the balancing act in a lot of these spaces and in, in other conversations is like, we'll get like, uh, like, uh, what Adam mentioned is like, um, like someone who's taking the side of all central banks are going to be destroyed by Bitcoin. And then someone who like takes a, you know, a competing stance. And I'm just like, guys, it's, like the reality is that it's going to be a blend of all of it. Like that's just how reality is like, it's going to like conservatives and progressives and libertarians are all like, kind of like at each other's throats right now inside Bitcoin trying to, basically tell each other how it's going to end up playing out. And it's like, Bitcoin's for everybody. It's not going to be any one of those extremes, guys.
0: So mm-hmm. let's just calm down a little bit. Yeah. Toss I, in, right? I agree. You know, Guido Holzman made the point. Um, I'm sure maybe he's not the first, but he made the point that inflation in the United States prior to World War II really only existed in those periods of wartime. That's when we had inflation here in the United States. Now, of course, since World War II, it's been inflation—an inflation bonanza, because it's been basically wartime, not just wartime, but you know, money printing for just about everything. But, but I guess if you're still one of these progressives that doesn't believe in immoral wars, you are a fan of sound money. You are a fan of a, a fan of a disinflationary monetary system. So. Um, I agree with you you know Bitcoin is for everyone you know I'm a Catholic and I, I feel like my you know my Bitcoin journey is a reflection of my Christian faith but I know that there are atheists that say that they that Bitcoin is a reflection of their atheism and <laughs> I, I want them on my team too <laughs> because you know at the end of the day Bitcoin is truth and truth wins out no, no matter what your ideology is um, so I, I'm with all you guys on this
1: super interesting on the a religion and Bitcoin uh, kind of convergence because again, I myself, I'm not religious, but I did grow up in a, in a Catholic household. So I went to Catholic school as a kid all the way through high school. Um, and, and so when I initially came to Bitcoin, I, I kind of saw them as, as divergent. Um, religion and bitcoin but i think the more i'm around it i do get i do get um a, a lot of the draw because it kind of gives almost like a, a moral framework to economics um it 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 takes away some of the deception and um and gatekeeping that we see in traditional finance, and so I get some of those draws. Like, are there are there certain things that you feel line up for you um, morally with Bitcoin,
0: and, and it mirrors your religious stance? I mean, the the key to unlocking it for me was that Austrian economist Guido Holzmann. He can tell of ours like he's on the stefan Levera podcast I, I think he's friendly to bitcoin and he he did a lot of work on a 13th century french bishop named named nicholas orem who was one of the first first to recognize the kind of immorality of inflation or like the kings clipping the coins if you will um and he, he wrote a great book called the ethics of money production which a lot of bitcoiners have pointed to is kind of like a, a precursor to the bitcoin ethos and so That's been kind of my avenue into it, Um, but 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 you know, a lot of people. You don't have to be a Catholic to believe in the truth of that. There's no doubt.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm interested in reading uh, the book. Uh, It was written by a handful of Bitcoiners, but thank God for Bitcoin, just because I want to kind of see the the lines of thought and how how they kind of coalesce. Uh, I think that'll be on on the list for me because it's a different framework than perhaps i've explored before so
2: we should have we should have like another conversation about just on that topic because yeah. i i could talk for like a couple hours myself on just bitcoin and religion
1: yeah i think i think that'd be super interesting i did do a chat with um uh alex Svetsky and Knut Svanholm. Oh,
2: those are opposing yeah points of view holy cow
1: yeah and so and it was on alex's show although when i was on it was i mean alex did try to take the uh contrarian position to kind of where me and Knute were sitting and I, w- I wasn't as extreme as Canute. i will say <laughs> uh <laughs> i was kind of like i i but i, I think i've gotten more of the the alignment since then i kind of i i understand the reasoning more now than i did previously so um yeah you're right that that's a, that's a topic that we could we could uh uh have a powwow around all day and all night but uh we'll we'll put that one off but you, i, you I you're, you're a
0: charitable man ben i appreciate that
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i'm i'm uh, i'm excited for to maybe have that conversation in the future here um awesome anybody have any other final thoughts around around this topic here of the uh the elephant in the room anybody have anything they want to tag on before we move on
2: well like the 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 best part about it being an elephant in the room is that you really kind of just maximize adoption that way Mm -hmm. like when it has so many different facets of what would allow someone to find value for it. And in my opinion, like the more you learn about it, you can't really use any of the other facets as a reason not to like another facet. Yeah. Like it's, they're all just bonuses. Once you, once you grasp the one that gets that like gets your attention, um, you just start like learning more and more about it and you go deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole. And it's, it's an interesting rabbit hole because it's like when you think about it, you would expect the rabbit hole to get kind of more like tighter and darker but it really just gets wider and brighter like it's i love the bitcoin rabbit hole man i spend <laughs> hours every day going down it
1: yeah absolutely awesome well let's let's wrap this one here and uh, again adam thank you for the topic i loved it uh and we i'm sure we could riff on it for hours but i want to uh, get everybody else's topics into everybody in the chat keep them coming i do see there's a lot of uh just on the topics that we were just talking about, um, I, I just want to pull a few little comments before, um, before we move on. Uh, what was it? Hold on here. <laughs> of course, Narwhal. Again, Jesus would teach us all to mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Shane was uh, shouting out uh, Jimmy Song and Robert Breedlove. They were two of, two of the notable authors from Thank God for Bitcoin. Uh, Sister Maria was dropping some bombs in here. <laughs> the The Holy Book of Satoshi, First Timothy, chapter six, verse ten: Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into snare, uh, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Jesus. Yeah, just <laughs> getting deep there. Have you been on the the uh, the clubhouse uh, Sunday Satoshi Sunday service? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. I was I real?
2: was around for its inception.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty intense. And some people come in there and they get pretty mad because they don't get that it's it's just like a, a clapback to people calling it calling Bitcoin a cult. It's More <laughs> of like a play on that of like, hey, if they're gonna call it this, then we'll just embrace it and and have people get angry about that was it.
2: Basically, that was basically the reason behind it or the justification. Yeah
1: yeah exactly which and i dropped into one of those early on and i was like what is this what is <laughs> like it was a full sermon and every like there was no breaking they character. had the dong they had- it, it was it. it was wild. but then you get in there and once you kind of get what like the <laughs> the reasoning behind it and you're like okay i could roll with this and then it's kind of almost just like a it's a relaxing thing to like go there and just just listen in and be a part of it. I think it's it's kind of fun now. <laughs> I enjoy it, uh, and and indeed, Tom Tom, hallelujah! <laughs> it's
2: like a public uh, confessional where people aren't afraid to dump out their purse.
1: Yes, and there's also I love the the shitcoin confessions. Uh, I, that's a good part of it too. That's that's a good <laughs> a good segment. But I digress. Uh, let's keep this thing rolling. Everybody in the chat, thank you for being here again. Like, share, all that good stuff. Mike, you are up. What has you excited this week? Take it away.
2: I got to stop looking at the comments real quick. (laughs) You guys are cracking me up. Um, So my, uh, my kind of topic was, that was kind of just around uh, accountability in general. Um, And the reason for that is coming from, so I told you guys I got my degree in exercise science and exercise and movement sciences is the technical name for it. Um, But Really, So I've spent about 15 years in really just in fitness between just like working out and like kind of going down the personal training rabbit hole and all that stuff. Um, and this is kind of what allowed me to really get in, get Bitcoin rather quickly is that just from a health and fitness standpoint, we, like we could talk, I'm going to really talk just like from America's point of view. Um, we have, in my opinion, like a pandemic of accountability and responsibility, Um a lot of what's going on barring like the, the health stuff that's going on in politics and everything um, just around public health. uh, There's a huge aversion in the public to just responsibility in general around their personal health. And if you guys, if any of you guys have read like my articles, you could probably kind of pick up on that as you go through. Um, I talk about, diet and health with regards to the accountability of people not having <laughs> <laughs> nice ramel Is it Romelli? Romelli? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're um, now already doing bench. Get those reps in bro. Uh, but around like just personal health and diet, like there's a general, just aversion to accountability and responsibility. Um, but this goes a lot deeper. So really we can talk about how Bitcoin kind of, if you really want to protect yourself, it forces you into taking on accountability and responsibility. Like if you don't want to have to worry about the fact that if um, like Coinbase or Gemini do something stupid and for whatever reason they get nationalized or something like that, and then you have like you're limited on your access to it, like your funds or something like that. That's personally what scared me. And it forced me into accountability and responsibility with, you know, hardware wallets, keys management and all that stuff. Um, but the accountability, like, once you get that in Bitcoin, it can help you kind of, like, and from my point of view, really start to focus on, like, um, hammering down and kind of perfecting your own accountability and responsibility in a lot of different other fields. Um, and I think that the more Americans that really take this on, take on this philosophy of just embracing accountability and responsibility, which is really gets you closer to freedom, I think we would all agree, Um I think it will also help us fix the other plagues that are also going on in in, in our society here, just within the United States. For instance, the pinned tweet on my profile on Twitter is the article I wrote about the education system. Like the education system is awful. Hmm. And you can kind of trace that back through the accountability um, thread where it comes back to like politics and unions. Or even just going straight back to like, again, the the population, like if more individuals in in the population are more accountable and more responsible themselves, you get kind of like a positive feedback loop of if the people are responsible and accountable, then the institutions are more likely to be more accountable and responsible. Because that's all institutions are. That's all countries are. That's all companies are. That's all churches and religions are. It's like they're managed by people. And if the people aren't accountable and responsible, we're going to get the situation we're in right now. So that's what makes me bullish. Like I'm I'm like price action is cool. Like I love, you know, getting more purchasing power. Like who wouldn't you'd be kind of um, stupid in my opinion, if you didn't enjoy having like getting more purchasing power. Um, but really I'm looking forward to, fixing the kind of mind disease that we're suffering from right now, because again, off my tangent account around accountability and responsibility, like there's also like that's coming out of all of these problems because of like the aversions we've got issues with nihilism, like really, really bad nihilism and it's, con- mm-hmm. and it's like contributing to the depression rates and the type two diabetes. and It's like, it's all a part of the same system.
1: Mm-hmm. It's this tags on to a a topic that that um, I think John Vallis explores this a lot is is, um, this springing forth of kind of uh, greater optimism amongst a lot of Bitcoiners. Yep. And and people kind of like turning around the way that they look at life and rather than deferring as you were talking about deferring responsibility or placing blame elsewhere, it kind of forces people to look inwards because Bitcoin is a tool that can be used to kind of liberate yourself and to give yourself greater freedom. And, and it's all kind of tied back to, you know, Bitcoin and any money is, is just a representation of your time. And it just yep. depends how well that money actually represents your time. Is it equally finite or is it not? And so when you have those tools available, it changes your mindset because you, you can now say, I'd like to allocate my time to this and then save it for later because there's a mechanism to do that. And when you don't have that, your, your time preference shrinks to the point where you're not thinking. You, you can't possibly think into the future. You can't plan for your future. You can't plan for retirement. You can only gamble and hope that it pans out. Or you can blame somebody for your dire condition. And I mean, there is blame to go around, right? Like the the system itself is inherently broken in that it doesn't allow us to do this type of planning. But in the presence of a new system, as people come into that, they will be able to plan. And even if you have setbacks, you'll at least know that you, you won't be spinning your wheels trying to catch up to where you used to be. Which is massive.
2: Well, and that's and that's another thing too. You brought up time. Um, I I wrote a piece on that actually, coincidentally. Um, and the funny thing is we talk we all talk about time being finite, but we don't talk about the value of it. So, like the the older we get, and which typically the older we get, like that our our time value tends to go up almost exponentially, right? Because as we get older, you take on more responsibilities, more jobs maybe you have a family, maybe you have a few kids. Like once you start getting up into there, the the value of your time is mm-hmm. going up exponentially, which means that you also have to be equally more like responsible with how you're going to like, so like when you have a family, are you going to be spending that time continuing to like work on your business? Or are you actually going to like value the memories you can make? Mm-hmm. Like there's the, the nihilism in my, like, like I'm a millennial and the nihilism in my own generation, for my own peers is just, it's disheartening, man. Like, yeah. I like, and then, like you said, like Bitcoin fixes, like helps with the optimism. And like, yeah. I can understand the nihilism because, like, if you can't see a way out, like, that's where it comes from. But then once you understand Bitcoin and where we get back to the, the religion topic, Adam, um, people think it's like culty from the outside and it like almost turns them away. But then once you get, like, once you give it a moment, and you take the time to understand one of the facets of the elephant, and you, you kind of like see the bridge that's like the tiny little candle at the end of the cave. Mm-hmm. Then you get closer and closer, and it grows exponentially. It's dude, I love yeah. dude. I love talking about this stuff. It's I found out like, to
3: be. Go ahead, Ben. I, I was just gonna
1: say the 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 no coiners that think it's a cult. They're they're at the butthole of the elephant. <laughs> and, and then, and then the few of them might grab like a leg and be like, "Oh, there's more here." <laughs> like, I think that's the journey.
3: <laughs> I was just going to add that I, I find that to be extremely evident. Evident when I'm, you know, trying to orange pill somebody, uh, I've noticed that you know there's not a, a specific formula, and everybody, you know, is everybody opens up in a different way. Yep. Um, some people never do, but um, you know, I've I've never seen. At least to you know, in my personal circle, everybody that I've seen that I know that has uh really, you know, kind of gone down the rabbit hole has gone down for a different reason. Yeah, um but, I mean, but
2: it's, it's it's just like it's just like fitness and health. Like everybody has their yeah. own problems and their own justifications and their own goals. Like you have like that's the thing, is like most of my time and spaces I'm just giving advice to people on how to like talk to other people because like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants everyone like one of the most common questions is how do I orange pill my grandparent or my mom or my sister or like my cousin there's you guys like whoever like everybody in the comments and like, that's watching is like you're not gonna have a cookie cutter answer for the for every conversation you have to meet every single one where they are and you can't meet them where they are until you ask them what the, what they're like aiming for
3: absolutely. I, I got some really good advice uh, not too long ago. I don't remember exactly who said it. I think it might have been one of the Kansas City Bitcoiner guys. But um, he, he said, you know, when you're orange playing somebody, instead of approaching them and starting the conversation, just let, you know, listen to them. Sit down and talk yeah. to them. Yeah. Let them talk. Let them tell you what their, what their problems are. And then you can find a way in.
2: Well, you, let, uh, you let them talk and it makes them feel like their point of view is valued.
3: Yeah. and then, and then
2: and then from that standpoint you're not talking down to them which is what most bitcoiners end up doing
3: yeah, yeah. and and back on the subject mike i i want to say that i i i do agree with a lot of what you said and this is just my opinion i'm just one blind man uh, in the world of elephants but um <laughs> i i think i think the, the root of the problem is that the incentives um without bitcoin are broken so the incentive structure it's not in my opinion, not necessarily um, a direct cause and effect um, from the lack of accountability. I think it's a lot of knock-on effects. Um, okay. And I was listening to Orange Pill Addicts uh, podcast recently, and they mentioned a lot of different of these knock-on you know effects that this causes in terms of agriculture and even education, as you mentioned, um, and even Andy Andy Flattery here on 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 the on the show here. He's even done a, a recent podcast on education. So sorry to put you in the spotlight, but hopefully he'll, he'll, he'll talk to us a little bit about that too. But um, again, I think it comes back down to the incentives. I think over time it'll, it'll work itself out on a, on a hard money Bitcoin standard. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think it fixes itself overnight. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna take some time. Oh yeah.
2: I love that you pulled up uh, agriculture. Cause I'm actually working on a pretty big piece for Bitcoin magazine right now might have to split it up into a couple because I think from notes alone I had it's eight pages long, so Damn.
1: yeah, that'll be a beast. I look forward to listening to that with the silky, smooth voice of
0: guy Swan. yes <laughs> Andy speaking,
3: I was going to say speaking of silky, smooth voices, Andy yeah. You have <laughs>
0: let let me just add one thing to mike what you're saying and i think you did an i think correct me if i'm wrong you did an article called something like bitcoin is the revival of the american dream yes something to that effect yep And, and you know a lot of times when we think about the american dream we think about like getting becoming wealthy or something of course that's part of it but maybe it's also like having a purpose and you mentioned the word nihilism which I guess, I don't know, we're probably all millennials here. If the millennial generation is suffering from nihilism, well, there's reason to believe like <clears throat> living on a sound money standard could give you more purpose. Um, You know, for, for example, like if, let, let's say like this is um kind of post welfare state or even like, you know in kind of like the belle époque period or the gilded age where we, we actually did not have a welfare state yet what would happen is pe- people people weren't, weren't dying in the street um you know single mothers weren't starving what would happen is is the wealthy industrialists many times the, the local philanthropists yep. you know they were the people that were uh supporting individuals directly um because frankly they had to like if it if they didn't do it um Nobody else would step in. There, there was no federal government to print money and write checks. Um, and, and I think some of these people probably did it out of ego, but they also did it because they had, you know, they had a purpose and they had like this idea that like I, I've been given this wealth, I've earned, I've earned it, and it's kind of my responsibility to support my local community. So um, as, as a part of kind of re reimagining that American dream, Mike, I think of it that way too. Like, it's not just becoming wealthy, but kind of reigniting that passion for like serving your local community. Um, and thanks for reading it by the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love, I love the way you think, man. So that's my little addition to that.
2: Yeah. And, um, just like before you get onto your riff, which I'm looking forward to, um, the, the hard money deflationary asset angle, if somebody if an individual doesn't have like the that calling or that passion or that meaning to live, it can give them the freedom to find it. Because it can get them off the flywheel to where they have enough time and energy to dedicate their mind and their body towards a passion or finding a passion. Because I was one of those individuals like when I was a kid, I was always revered as being skilled. So I grew up as an artist and I was generally pretty good in school. Um, But I was a kid. who I didn't know, like if, if you guys might understand this, if you're like, if you're smart enough and skilled enough in a lot of different ways, you don't know which way to point yourself. And then um, I kind of fell into this rut where because of that, because I couldn't pick just one to hammer out that, like I went down this nihilistic path. Um, and once you have something that gives you hope for a better future, then you can start to like go down the whole, um, the whole finding passion and finding reasoning for, for life and all that
3: other stuff. I was, uh, at a conference, it was Bitcoin day in Kansas city. And I had actually a couple of people come up to me. Um, and they said, Hey, I follow you on Twitter. I noticed you have Jesus in your bio. I just wanted you to know that, um, I came, I came to Jesus uh, because of Bitcoin, and I decided to give my life. I've to heard Christ that a lot. I was like, "That's really cool." So, I gave them, gave them, uh, you know, a reason to live where they Good. necessarily may not have had had one before.
2: That's powerful stuff,
1: dude. That's awesome. Damn, that's that's really interesting. Again, like to find, and I guess it's just, it's been like the uh, kind of a, a a different journey for me where, I perhaps it was partly the environment and the school that I was in seemed um, and maybe some of m- my teachers that were a little bit older, a little bit more closed minded, a little bit less because I tend to lean on maybe not the today's definition of, of liberal, but I tend to lean on the, the social side of uh, the, the liberal side of, of social issues more often than not in the context of like you know what would have been considered socially left in the 90s and the 2000s maybe not 2022 um but but now now i find myself um in a lot of instances where i would have before identified as as um socially left and thus opposed to uh, many views from from uh, a religious standpoint. I'm now seeing my views not having on, uh, on social issues not having changed a whole bunch, but being labeled as right, which I find interesting. Um, I right, so, as in right, as
2: in right leaning, or right is incorrect.
1: No, right is in right leaning. Okay. Yeah. So I I found that my views on a lot of the stuff that I viewed in the '90s and in the early 2000s. Hasn't shifted a lot, but the labeling of the way I think has, yeah. um, which is yeah. an odd feeling. But anyway, I, I, I digress. I kind of grew up in, a, in a, a school system that that those left leaning social views at the time were not necessarily, necessarily kosher. And now, in in a lot of instances with religious people that I meet that maybe is not the instance and, 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 that's maybe not the case. And so um I think that was kind of my aversion and my drifting away from religious institutions was kind of growing up in that and then saying it, it's odd because the, the, the Overton windows has, has shifted a lot and, and the, the definitions of things have shifted a lot. And so where I grew up thinking that the far right was kind of the, anti-free speech clamp down on things. People can't say this. You can't say that. It's totally done a, 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 a 180. Whereas now I see it. Now I see like a lot of the far left is like, you can't say that you can't do these things. And I'm just in kind of in this odd space in the middle. And I feel that with Bitcoin too, just I just want people to be able to float ideas and, and say whatever the hell they like. And then, the reality can bubble to the top. Um, And I don't know if you guys have kind of experienced that as well. Yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite things.
2: I have many favorite things about the Bitcoin community, but um, one of my favorites is just regardless of political affiliation or religion, everybody's just interested in finding like the truth and the right answer. Mm -hmm. And by the right answer, I mean the truth, because when it, when it comes to like, all the stuff we're dealing with now um, and really anything else. Like when it comes to truth, there's, you don't have to put effort into it. Lies, lies require effort. Lies require like defending, defending the, the lie, pushing mm-hmm. the lie, getting people to like buy into the lie. The truth is just like, you can believe it or not. It's going to, it's going to come out eventually. Like <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it.
3: Yeah. That's proof of work. You know, can't be yeah. fabricated. Yeah. Hmm, interesting.
1: Well, uh, that was a fantastic little riff on that, uh Mike. Thank you for your contribution to this vlog. Okay. Um and we'll we'll keep it rolling here. Uh everybody in the chat again, thank you for uh dropping all these messages and everything. Everybody watching, like, sub, all that stuff. We're going to move on to our last topic and and Andy, you are up. Uh take it away. What has you feeling
0: bullish? Well, here's what I got. So, I- I'm very bullish because financial advisors don't understand Bitcoin. And so <laughs> <I> know <laughs> I've know i been working in legacy finance since 2010. And I'm so I'm, I know I'm kind of in the lion's den here. Um, and I'm and I'm bullish because, you know, my peers don't understand Bitcoin. And, and before I get into it, it's worth pointing out that uh, like a lot of us have come around, right? Like. Like, Ben, I think oh, yeah. a, a few months back, you've, you had a uh, heavily armed clown on the show, mm-hmm. and he made the point that, like, this is stage two of Bitcoin right now, right? Whereas, like, stage one was, like, the weirdos and the anarchists and the libertarians. And, like, now stage two is, like, the Michael Saylors, right? And, like, yeah. the institutional money, right? And, and, and I, I guess I represent part of stage two bitcoin because i you know i'm a certified financial planner i'm like a buttoned up kind of financial advisor guy right but what i have um what i've seen well well, first off it's worth pointing out like um like i had andy edstrom on my podcast this week right and he was one of the first financial advisors to come around to bitcoin um cullen roach was on the what what bitcoin did this week i don't know if you guys saw that podcast Mm -hmm. but like cullen roach like he's a guy who he said to Peter McCormick, like, he likes Bitcoin now. And I have always thought of him, like, he's a very smart guy, but I always, have always thought of him as more of, like, um, kind of like the status quo in legacy finance, right? So I thought it was very telling that he told Peter McCormick that he likes Bitcoin now. Um, but most of my peers don't, okay? So, like, um, Michael Kitsis, who is maybe the thought leader in, in my world, in the financial planning world, he, he went to the CoinDesk Bitcoin for Advisors conference in the fall, and he told Tyrone Ross that, you know, <laughs> he's more interested in like the technology of blockchain and not Bitcoin or, or other cryptocurrencies, right? huh. which is like any of us that were around in 2016, 2017, we know that that's like the thing that, that you say when you want to sound like you're well versed, but you actually don't really know what you're talking about. And this is like Michael Kisses, like he's a very intelligent dude. Um, In Adam and I's backyard, there's a a fellow named Peter Malouk, who's a a pretty important guy in the RIA space. And his angle is like um, he said a few times that the dominant cryptocurrency of the future has not yet been invented yet, um, which also kind of sounds like a cop out. And so so the reason why I'm bullish is because like as an investor, whether if you're investing in Bitcoin or anything else, if you, if you want to be like an active allocator and make an active bet, you want to own those things that like the rest of the market doesn't understand yet or is misunderstood. And I can just tell you like, um, if, if you're worried that everyone else is in on the trade and all of Bitcoin, Twitter has figured this thing out. I'm telling you that that's not the case, Like <laughs> they haven't figured it out yet. Um, there's tens of trillions of dollars in the RA channel um, and, and more in, in the rest of wealth management and, for for a couple of reasons like a they can't buy it and b they just haven't done the work yet um i think there's still some resistance probably because you know bitcoin has been kind of a movement that's come from retail right like it hasn't come from like uh, you know the, the smart financial people like really it started with kind of retail plebs um and so that's very bullish because eventually the institutions will figure it out eventually you know, the financial advisors will, um, they'll take an allocation, either because, you know, they're they're smart, they're they're self-seeking individuals that will figure it out, that will see the value in in their clients merely, you know, saving money, or because their clients just want it, like they keep talking about it, and there's just a demand for it, or because of, you know, career risk. A lot of legacy financial people will just look at this, and they'll say, I wanna keep my job, right? Like I, I wanna stay in business. And so I need to make an allocation to this asset class. Um, and so that's what makes me very bullish. M- maybe maybe f- bullish for the people that are holding Bitcoin right now, right? Because, because if you're holding Bitcoin right now, it means you're still early. Um, I don't know how long it will take for this narrative to play out, but eventually, Um, You know, the rest of legacy finance will get in on the trade, um, but they're not there yet.
1: Yeah, it's and it plays into everything we've been talking about. Right. It's it's a combination of of people have been deferring that responsibility, that research to other people. Um, People have come to Bitcoin in different ways and are, uh, you know, 90 percent of the world is still at the butthole um, <laughs> and, uh, haven't grabbed a leg or a trunk or an ear or anything like that yet. Um, it's, it's a gradual thing. And it's going to take that slow shift of people realizing what's going on, having that low time preference, putting in the work, putting in that proof of work, and it will be a very gradual process. But for the people that are here now, and if you're still here, you've, you've been through, uh, I think he's just swapping out his camera or something. Um, if, if people are still here through, through this year and, you know, we've been crab walking our way through 2021, other than like <laughs> early in the year um, we had some spikes and it was exciting for a little bit. And, and now people are, many are disillusioned, but if you're still sticking around and you're, you're looking at this and you understand it, then you you've already done the work you're already ready and and raring to go i think andy is here in some, some way shape or form he's he's with us in spirit i think but um but yeah like people have done people that are sticking around they've done the work and so i'll, I'll open it up uh adam or mike if you want to
2: the, the funny the funny thing about your comment of around these individuals pushing off their accountability and responsibility uh did you see what jp morgan did it's it's around it's around just like the kind of crypto space which is like cringy yeah but jp morgan just completely ripped off i think it was Blockworks's work on um like the whole just like space like they just literally plagiarized their work it's just like it's like you, you don't want these entities getting into bitcoin and not understanding it because they'll dump it at the wrong times like they're 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 just people they'll dump it at they'll dump it for like the retail reasons if they don't understand it yeah
1: that'll be the beautiful thing too to see to see the equivalent of like who is it um uh was it jim kramer that bought and then sold everything on like the china fud like at the very bottom like at 30 he was like well china banned it, so i'm worried about that so i'm gonna dump it all and then there was another there was like a, a family office or some institution that bought Bitcoin and they dumped it all on the double spend FUD that happened at the beginning of 2021. That was early. That was early, like
2: right after Elon, like the rise up to 69. Like they were like, oh, we took profits. We think Bitcoin's done. It's like, <laughs> okay.
1: yeah. And they were bragging. I forget how much they allocated, like just a they allocated a fair amount of money. It was like a hundred million dollars or something like that. And then they had made, they were bragging, maybe it wasn't a hundred million, but they were bragging about like $200,000 in profit. Yeah. That, that, that they sold it for. And then like they sold it like after some massive dip. And yeah, it's, it, it'll be beautiful to watch that stuff play out where as, institutions start to understand and and some of the people get like a, a deep understanding of it um the ones that hold through that fud and that reap the benefits of it that'll be pretty telling and also i think as to the point that we we're talking about in relation to andy himself uh how you kind of come in and and there's a lot more signal now than there was a few years ago and there was there's a lot more carefully thought out pieces like from you, Mike, and, and, you know, you have people coming out and, and kind of creating this, this narrative from a lot of different aspects of what this thing is. And, and the, the narrative is becoming clearer and more precise in a lot of different aspects. And I think we've just begun to see that play out on the institutional front. Like you get Michael Saylor out there and he's making the case of this is it, this is hard money, a the most pristine collateral asset the world has ever seen. Um, Bitcoin is time, Bitcoin is energy, all of these, these messages that resonate. And I think that type of content will only continue to be built out and made more robust so that as new entrants come in, there's there'll just be this plethora of information to sift through that is concise and that is precise in in its definition of what they're they're trying to say so that's what's exciting to me but i, oh, I will andy
2: andy's back and i wanted to make a point when he was around because the the thing that i, I that i'm also bullish about the institutional stuff is that we're like like what um, heavily armed clown said we're in stage two but within stage two we're in stage one of it like we like we're just seeing the risk takers and maybe like the smartest individuals within institutions are just now getting exposed. Like we're still waiting for the middle of the bell curve to come in. And that's, that's before the middle of the bell curve of like retail, because we're still very much on like both ends of the bell curve within retail just right now. Like we're, we got the dumbest of the dumb and we got the super smart people. I'm probably one of the dumbest of the dumb. (laughs) Like, I think we all probably argue that for our own standpoints, we don't want to like to our own horn too hard, Hmm. but like, guys because like retail (laughs) stage two is institutions stage three is going to be governments like holy crap uh
1: by the way andy shots fired sister maria said that (laughs) you must be on that ethereum internet
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean sister maria is just dropping bombs here tonight so you're right sister maria i I deserve that
1: (laughs) oh that's great uh i don't adam did you want to tag in anything
3: yeah, and I can add some thoughts on that. I uh, I do agree, Andy, uh, especially with the point uh, that you made that we're we're still early. I believe that we're still very early, um, and I, I think the legacy financial system will probably be the biggest, the first biggest domino to fall. Um, and I, you know, Mike, you mentioned that you know you don't necessarily want certain people like that, I think you said, um, you know, getting into this space. And uh, I mean,
2: you referring to like um, the JP
3: Morgan stuff
2: institutions that don't understand it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Institutions that don't understand it. Um, And, you know, I would, I do agree with that to some, to some extent. um, But, you know, I also am a firm believer that Bitcoin really is for everyone. I think that it could do some damage in the short term, um, and, you know, my selfish reason for not wanting them in is I, I want to get all the, you know, the, the believers, the plebs, the, my friends and family in Bitcoin before all that happens. Uh, because once the legacy financial system, you know, builds that bridge where they start the mass migration onto the arc, um, I think it's it, the rest of the dominoes are just going to fall so fast. And um, when that happens, uh, we're not really going to know what to do. We're going to lose, lose track of all of our. Um, you know, our, 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 our indicators and our metrics and everything's just going to go crazy. All of our signals are going to go haywire. Um, but before that, I want, I want the right people there. So the, the selfish reason to me, you know, wants that to happen in a certain order, but ultimately, you know, they're Bitcoin, Bitcoin's good for humans, man, you know? So, uh, they're, they're humans too. It's good for good people and it's good for bad people. So, uh, and then back to my point earlier, them being on the Bitcoin team ultimately benefits you and I as, as hodlers and as network supporters. Um, So um, yeah, uh, I think good points all around and and Andy, I, I I like, I like your take, man.
2: Yeah, it was a good take.
1: I love it. Well, gentlemen, I think what I'm going to do now, because we've kind of gone around, gone around the circle, uh, uh, we'll, we'll start rounding it out. But I kind of just want to go around one last time and just kind of get final thoughts from everybody, whether it be on, on any of the topics, anything that's, uh, that stood out for you that you didn't get to touch on. Um, and, and also, uh, where people can find you, all that kind of stuff. I might even, even if you want to throw in something that has uh, stuck out to you, like a piece of content or anything like that this week that may pertain, whatever you feel like throwing in at the end here. So so, Adam, I'll go to you. Any final thoughts on the day? Anything you want to throw out there?
3: Yeah, something that I was thinking about bringing up earlier on your topic of wallets. Um, I uh, It's something that most people probably haven't even heard of, but uh, it's probably been about two years now. But I got a, a hardware wallet, and I really enjoyed it. Um, it was called a Jupiter wallet. And the reason why I have been extremely hesitant to promote it, uh, is because there's, um, there's some, uh, information marketing information out there that's, uh, unrelated to the company, but there's some, 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 some suspicious companies out there to say the least, uh, with a very similar name. So, um, for that reason, I, I don't think that they have had as much success as, as I think they could have, but it was a really cool product. Um, and, uh, you know, if you guys are interested in, in checking out new hardware wallets, um, you know, I'm not necessarily endorsing them, but I've used it and it's it's really cool. Um, I don't even I don't even know if they're still in business, to be honest. But uh, they were uh, developed by a company called Faye It as a parent company, and they make um they make like those those physical uh, two factor authentication devices, kind of like a YubiKey, basically. Mm-hmm. If they're like a YubiKey competitor, um, so they're they're kind of they're a pretty reputable business, I believe. But um, just something cool that I don't think everybody knows about i know that it's uh you know they don't have a lot of pr out there um and it was a cool product so i uh, thought i'd add that um ben you got something
1: i was just gonna ask is that the one it was like stupidly thin and it yes was just a tiny little yes. i remember get i didn't really get to play around with it a lot but i remember getting my hands on one and kind yeah. of like just testing a few quick things i just it, i was it was so busy at the time i couldn't even attempt to do anything with it but it was so little and so thin.
3: It was like two credit cards stacked on top of each other. I kid you not. I carried that in my front pocket on my keychain for over a year, <laughs> um, just to just to put it through the paces and see what it would do. Uh, but yeah, so small, so thin, and it worked pretty well. Um, you know, there there were some rough edges, just like I believe there are with with every product out there, but if you're being really critical. Um, and then obviously the, the marketing stuff is a challenge to get around, but anyway, uh, that's my final thought. Um, you can find me, uh, my Twitter handle is at Adam Semeca and that's where, that's where I'll be. Awesome. Thanks man. Andy, thank you so much for having agree. me on by the way.
1: Yeah, no worries. No worries. Andy, you're next on my screen because of yeah. your ETH internet. So, uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: let's, let's get your final thoughts so my parting thought, my childhood next door neighbor, Brian Sandvig is in in the comments. And he said that I need to make one final dig at Elizabeth Warren. Um, And, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren, you guys, she wants you to think that inflation exists because of corporate greed, for example. But in, in its essence, inflation always starts with money printing. That's always the first factor involved. And so Bitcoin fixes this though. So that's, that's why I'm bullish. And uh, you can find me, my podcast is called the reformed financial advisor. And I'm on Twitter just at Andy Flattery and Ben, thanks for having me on.
1: Dude, I'm so glad that you joined. Thanks for being here. And uh, Mike, you're going to round it out. Any final thoughts that you may have here? Well, I'll join the, join the train and thank you for bringing
2: me on. Uh, But I, I did, I have fun doing this all the time. Like you guys will be able to catch me on spaces. Um, I'll just drop my Twitter real quick since I just mentioned it, uh, on Twitter. You can catch me at the Mike Hobart. It sounds extremely, um, pretentious, but that's because somebody took my name already and I had to think of something. So I apologize. (laughs) But, um, two things in my kind of like leaving comments, I would recommend to users like that are in the comments or anybody that's watching this is to pay attention for two things. Um, one in particular would be within the us um banks getting cleared for fdic to custody bitcoin on their reserves um that's going to be massive in my opinion um which i this can be another conversation like at some different time or you guys will probably hear me in spaces talking about it with magoo because he and i tend to be the only ones that talk about it um if and i'm gonna say when um, when that FDIC clearance comes through, it's going to be huge for Bitcoin adoption, but it's also going to be huge for the dollar. So I wouldn't be banking on the dollar going away anytime soon. Um, but the other thing, and I, I mentioned that because that's a huge kind of push within the Bitcoin community thinking that, you know, all fiat currencies are going to blow up and go away. That's It's not gonna happen um but the other thing that i would recommend everybody really pay attention to closely would be the i'm a a huge fan of geopolitics um i would be watching what's going on in kazakhstan right now um kazakhstan is one of the i think it's it might be the largest energy producer in asia if not it's like top three um with the politics going on around there, like we just saw a 12% hash rate fall because of it. Um, It was really quietly done. I believe 2020 late 2020, or maybe even last year, but there was about 24,000 miners that moved to Russia. Um, And now we've got Russian influence over a major energy producer that also has a lot of miners that just fled from China. Um, These are very, very important dynamics to consider if, if any of you guys are watching price action, like, like religiously, or if you're paying attention to hash rate, which you should, because it's very important to the network. Um, I would just, if you're not big into following geopolitics, they're super important. They help us decide like all these other machinations that are going on. Pay attention. It's very important. That's all I'm going to say.
1: I love that. The Kazakhstan thing was, is super interesting. I'll, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll round it out here. Guys, again, thank you so much for coming and spending uh, an hour and a half on your Friday evening with me. It's it's uh, it, it was an honor. So thank you all. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Ben.
0: Thanks, Cheers, Ben. Guys.
1: And uh, everybody watching, damn, that was a good chat. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, again, everybody that came, Uh, all of these guys, all of their Twitter handles are in the show notes. So I highly recommend that you guys go follow them, check them out. Um, guys are backstage now, by the way, if you guys want to say a quick goodbye, I will be in there after we go offline here. Uh, so if you're around for a couple extra minutes, I'll be there. Um, but everybody watching, please do hit like, subscribe, share all those things. They really, really do help. and They help get this content in front of more eyeballs. I will always recommend everybody do that if you want to help with the show in another way you can always hit up the previously mentioned sponsors down below ShakePay, pay Bitrefill, keystone and bill Foddle. they're all in the links and finally if you really liked what you saw you can always drop me a bitcoin tip either on twitter i do have that enabled or at my strike page which is strike.me slash btc sessions go there type in whatever amount you like you hit the tip button you'll be greeted with a lightning invoice or if you tap to the right a regular bitcoin qr code with that I am out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening, wherever you may be. And I'll see you guys next time for your daily session.
0: the Bitcoin.